we're going to continue with Christian character traits. And today we're going to look at two character traits. The first one is our speech and our language. Who knows that what we say is very important to God? Yeah? Who knows the way we express ourselves is extremely important to God? You know, if you ask someone in the world, you know, uh, should a Christian swear, what would the person in the world who's not even a Christian, what would they say? Christians shouldn't swear, should they? Is that an obvious? It should be an obvious. It's surprising how many Christians swear their brains out. They don't sound, their language doesn't sound very different to people of the world. But a Christian is, is uh, usually that's one of the characteristics that sets them apart, that you never hear a bad word on their tongue. You never hear a swear word on their tongue. I know Christians that say Jesus Christ is a swear word. They call themselves Christians, but they say Jesus Christ is a swear word more than I praise my Lord with his name. Should that be? Should that be? Should we ever use our Lord's name in vain, the Lord who laid his life down for our sins, and use his name as a swear word, as a byword, as refuse equaling it with all the other horrible swear words out there today. Putting it up there at the same level of, of derogatory statement. So I want to bring it up. Not that anyone in this church has a problem with this, but I know that this, this video is going to go worldwide, and I know there's a lot of Christians that needs to hear it. And do you know what? I think we all need to be kept in line a little bit every now and then. You know, just checked. I've got to check my language. I'm always trying to check my language. I'm always trying to be very, very careful that I don't swear in any way, shape or form. Sometimes I don't even like saying geez. It's too much like Jesus. <laughs> you know? It's like our old, a Christian alternative. Geez. <laughs> We've got to be careful. We've got to choose our words very carefully. Let's go to Ephesians 4.29. And before, as we're turning there, I'm just going to pray. Lord, help me today to say the words that are going to help everyone here, that these words will change us, change us to the core and uh, check our faith and uh, help to develop our faith so that we can become stronger and more pure and holy Christians. The type of Christians you died to make us, that we would truly become new creatures with the fruit of a new creature in Christ. Give us your mind, give us the mind of Christ today to discern the truth here and help me to deliver a message by the power of the Holy Spirit that is coming straight from the throne of God today and that Rob will not be here, that your spirit will take full control. I hand myself to you right now in the name of Jesus and I pray every mind here will be opened to receive the word of God and uh, that you would open their hearts also to receive and I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So Ephesians, Ephesians 4, whoops, 4.29. And it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So we'll go back to the start of that. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. What's unwholesome talk? Swearing, cursing, 
actually we could go on and on and on, but there are other character traits I want to cover. <laughs> so I'm not going to go too far into different types of uh, traits. But we've got to check that our mouths speak wholesome things just on Sunday. Just when we're around our Christian brothers and sisters. No. All the time. All the time. All the time. Even when you wake up and you're half asleep and you stub your toe. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Amen. Because we can be very lax through the week, especially you come on Sunday, you get all pumped up, you're really good Christian all afternoon, then Monday comes and you, you walk into the smoko room at work and, you know, your mates start talking to you and swear and curse. You know, I used to uh, have a, a, a gym of guys used to come and train, I used to train them years ago. And one of the things I did was right from the outset, because I was a Christian, and I got it's open to everyone. It wasn't open just to Christians. I had all sorts of people coming in. And I just had a general rule. Anyone who swears, everyone in the gym has to do 30 push-ups. Do you remember that, Anthony? Yeah. And we used to do a lot of push-ups. <laughs> and it got to the point where if anyone swore, the rest of the group were going to punch them out. You know, it's like, don't you dare swear again, buster. During the push-ups, yeah, another 30, keep going, make it 60. <laughs> yeah, but I tell you what, do you know how quickly the language of that gym got cleaned? And then I remember Anthony invited a friend along, and, he, and in the car all the way there, this guy was just, you know, using every, you know, word possible. And, um, and Anthony's thinking, oh, no, <laughs> this is going to be a painful night, you know. And then he... And this guy came and he sort of, I let him off on a couple and then I just explained to him. And this guy wouldn't go an hour without using a swear word at least a dozen times or more, wasn't it? Like, I mean, every sentence had a swear word attached. After about a, I think even after one session, when he was there, he was clean language, no swearing coming out of his mouth. So can we control our language? Yeah, 30 push-ups if you can't. Just do that to yourself. If you swear, get down, do 30 push-ups. You'll be thinking twice before the next one, unless you like push-ups. <laughs> but um, So it's really important. And you know, why did their language clean up? Why was their language getting cleaner in the gym? Simply because there was punishment attached. You know, Jesus says he's going to judge us for every careless word we speak. Who knows that scripture? Every careless word. Did you know Jesus is very interested in how we speak? More interested than we realize. More interested than, you know, I think I've ever realized, you know. And, and that, that means even in, uh, he's even interested in what you think. Did you know that? Our thoughts and our actions, you know, it's amazing. But, you know, be careful what you think because you end up saying it. <laughs> You do. You end up saying what you think. It comes out of the overflow of the heart. Okay, let's keep moving. Matthew 15, 11. So keep your Bibles open because we're going to be moving around the Bible quite a bit. Matthew 15, 11. Who thinks this is an important sermon? 
at least two of you. <laughs> 1511. Okay, and it says this. What, what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. When we use language, and you know what, it doesn't even have to be swearing, it can just be negative language, it can be pessimistic language, it can be, um, you know, a language of just, you know, what's the words? Just a, a language that is just going to make someone feel foul, you know what I mean? It defiles us, that attitude, and you know, our language comes from our attitude. The amount of Christians I've met who, the moment I get around them, I feel, I feel filthy talking to them because there's so much pessimism coming out of their mouth. There's so much unwholesome talk. There's so much garbage coming up and out of them. And when I listen to them, I'm, I'm with them for a minute or two, I just feel like I just got to get away because I'm feeling unclean. It, it really makes me feel filthy. Who's had that experience? Yeah. We know we have it with people of the world, but it should have happened in the church. When you come in the church, according to Scripture, we should be lifted up, built up, and made to feel fantastic. We should walk out of here feeling cleaner than we used to come in, than when we came in. You know what I mean? We should walk out of here at a higher spiritual rate than when we came in. And, and I remember a, a guy I used to train years ago, just the... Uh, I used to do a one-on-one -on -one session. I used to go to his house. And this guy was a pretty, you know, foul-mouthed sort of guy. But when he was with me, for some reason, he found himself never swearing. And I didn't used to, I never made him do push-ups. But he didn't swear. But he commented after about three or four days of this, and he said, I don't know why, Rob, but when you're here, and by, when you leave, I feel really clean. And... And I knew what it was, and I just said, well, that's God. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> he was an atheist. Now, he wasn't paying me to um, preach to him, so I, I would slip it in here and there. But um, that's what it was. That's the effect we should have on people. And you know what? I'm, I'm always watching and judging myself. If I, make, if I am with someone and I make them feel unclean, I know it's my attitude. I might not have sworn, but I might have done something in their life to make them feel very filthy. Do you know what I'm saying? Who knows that we, our attitudes can do that to people? Who knows that? Who knows you don't have the same attitude every day? Yeah? Do you wake up some days with the best attitude in the world and you just can't wait to talk to someone and lift them up in the spirit? Then the next day, you just really, you really shouldn't go out in the world. <laughs> you shouldn't go out and don't talk to anyone. <laughs> It's better. Get under the covers. Stay there and pray. It's all got to do with attitude. Let's keep moving along. Colossians 4.6. Let your conversation... This is just what I was talking about then. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may be... or so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation be always full of grace is this good for the kids let your conversation be full of grace if you're around i have found this if you don't swear much and if your conversation is full of grace firstly you'll attract people full of grace don't bend and become like the people that you're around 
in the sense of become, take on their attitudes and their characteristics and become like them. Don't let them influence you to become like them. Let it be the other way. Let our character and attitude influence those that are around us. Let our, our personalities be that much stronger. You know, I say to someone, you shouldn't swear. And they'll say, oh, you should see my household. How can I not swear? Everyone swears in my household. Well, set the, set the standard. Set the standard. Don't swear. And you watch. Everyone slowly falls into line. Because swearing will become less, uh, less familiar in the house. And then when someone does swear, it'll stand out like a sore thumb. And everyone will like, you know what I mean? It'll feel wrong to do it. So let, at least as far as it goes with you, let you set the standard in you and don't let them change your own standard. Amen? So let your conversation always be filled with grace. Ephesians 5, 4. And here's another exhortation from Paul. Nor should there be obscenity. Nothing obscene. We shouldn't say obscene things. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk. Can Christians get involved in foolish talking? Is it easy? Yeah, very easy, isn't it? We always want to have a, find a reason to have a laugh, but we've got to be careful. Just got to be careful when we start traversing that foolish ground. How deep does it go? Is it quicksand? <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that we can't find fun and have fun, because I think we as a church, who knows we all have fun when we're together. Yeah, I think I laugh more with you guys than with anyone. You know what I mean? So there's nothing wrong with that. But we've got to be careful. We've got to watch the lines. We've got to know if we've stepped over God's will according to what we should be saying and how we should be acting. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather we should be uh, speaking thanksgivings to God. James 1.26, turn there. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Do you consider yourself religious? I do. That 20th century statement, I'm not religious, so I have a relationship. Does the Bible use the word religion? Yeah? There's religious... You know what happened with, with that statement is people stop being religious. And you know what religion does to a person? It makes them devout. It makes them holy. It makes them uh, do their devotions daily, religiously, on time. It makes them committed. It makes them strong. Take that word away, you know, and then what you got is, I've got a relationship. Oh, yeah, relationship. Well, true religion is a relationship. It's just what they've gone and done in, is is not uh, helped us to understand what the word religion truly means, right? Now, there's many religions in the world, but there's only one true religion, amen? Okay? So I, I've, I'm a bit anti the whole, it's not about religion, it's relationship statement because it's taken a word that's a biblical word and made it refuse. We don't want to be that. But every man of God... Every man who got up to the 20th century has considered themselves a religious man or a religious woman. And I've read um, hundreds of books of, from the earliest writers right through to 
uh, up to the 20th century writers, and they all used the word religion. They all were, had incredible relationships with God. There is nothing wrong with the word religion. So that's my rant. Okay, um, James 1.26. Have I read that already? If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Keep a tight rein on your tongue at all times, not just on Sunday. 3, 1 to 12. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Please pray for me. Um, we all stumble in many ways. See, James is admitting it. Christians, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man. Anyone here a perfect man? Andy? <laughs> With plenty of perfect wives in the church. <laughs> Very good. Brownie points. <laughs> uh, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. It's like we should say that to God. God, put a bit in my mouth and turn me and direct me and help me to keep a tight rein on my tongue. And the Bible actually tells us, I'm going to read some scriptures where it tells us to pray that very thing to keep, help us to keep a tight rein on our tongue. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Who knows that's true? Yeah, who knows that's true? Oh, this tongue. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow, that's how powerful our tongue is. It will make us or break us. It either builds us up or destroys us or pulls us down. The tongue. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Make sure... You have a fresh water spring in your heart. And let there be nothing but fresh water coming out of your mouth. You will know if you've got a fresh water spring by the way your mouth speaks. Amen? Anyone feeling a little bit of conviction? A little bit? I hope so. Conviction is good. Why? 
because it brings us to our knees in repentance before a holy God and we don't have to suffer that judgment on judgment day because he's going to judge us for every last thing. If Conviction is what God wants the church to have for every little thing, every little place we step out of line. He wants us to get under conviction now and get clean before him now so that when judgment day comes, he'll look and say, I know you did all those things, but you repented of all those things and you stopped doing those things. Thank you, Jesus. That's the, the blessing and the gift of repentance. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. And if we just live in that, and if we always just check ourselves, check yourselves every day as if today you would have to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Who lives with the judgment seat of Christ in mind every day? Who wakes up in the morning and thinks, I'm going to be judged one day, I better get right now. Yeah? Because that keeps you holy even when you might not live as good as you could when you repent you're cleaned and washed and made whiter than snow is that right is that what the bible says but so many of us don't go and get and get that cleansing we think you know there's this teaching as i've heard it you repent once at salvation and that's it that's like saying you have one shower and you're good for life you know what I mean? If that was the case, then Paul wouldn't have had to, had to rebuke the church for a single thing in the Scriptures. He wouldn't have had to say anything because they would have just been spotless. But a, do Christians sin? Yes. Should they? No. So what do we do? We repent. We get clean. It's a beautiful thing. Would you, how many days would you go without a shower? One, some people have two a day, don't they? <laughs> Please don't go more than a day <laughs> and come in. Um, we shouldn't really, you know, in, in our culture anyway, we only go a day, two at max. Like you have to have a real clean day to go two days. Well, that's how frequently we should come to the Lord and ask him to clean, cleanse us, to wash us, purify us. Luke 6.45. Okay, and it says this. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of our hearts do our mouths speak. So we, we ought to check ourselves all the time. And I've, I've gone over that ground. We've got to check ourselves all the time. By the way we speak. Turn a recording device on and record yourself for a whole day and then listen back. Good, good way to hear what, just what you sound like and the, what's coming out of your heart. You can check what your heart is really like by that. And is God doing that? He's recording it all. Did you know that? He's recording everything. He's got some serious recording device up there. He's recorded. There's not a thing... <laughs> that he's going to left, that God has forgotten or not heard. He knows everything. You can't hide it from him. You can't hide a single thing. So make sure that you're transparent before your holy God while you live and do your best to change and become a new creature or let that new creature that you are 
flourish and grow and get strong. Proverbs 21, there's a few scriptures in here I found. Proverbs 21, 23, and it says this, He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Now that's a life application. You guard your tongue, you keep yourself from calamity. If you've got a loose tongue, you can get into a lot of trouble. Who knows that? Yeah? People can get into a lot of trouble with their mouths. Politicians are classic examples. You know, the things they say. Politicians have an un uncanny ability to say a lot of things, not, not really say anything. They speak a lot, but they don't say anything. That's, that's their protection. That's the way they protect themselves. Uh, Proverbs 10.19. Proverbs 10.19, and it says this, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. That makes me want to speak less. <laughs> Preachers, we should speak less. Fewer words, more meaning. Yeah, when words are many, sin is not absent. Proverbs 13.3. There's, there's another proverb, I think it's a proverb, it says, a fool is considered wise if he doesn't speak or if he says very little. So keep that in mind. Proverbs 13.3, he who guards his lips guards his soul. But he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. He who guards his lips guards his soul. Because Solomon knew God was listening and judging him and his soul will be judged according to what he has said. Proverbs 10.31, and it says, The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom but a perverse tongue will be cut out, figuratively speaking, and probably in the next, in eternity. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. Okay, and let's jump back to the New Testament, to Matthew, if we can. Matthew twelve thirty six. I love it when I read... The words of Jesus, because to me, the words of Jesus are the most hard-hitting of all the words in the Bible. He just tells you straight. He doesn't hold back. And it says this, But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. And it says this, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. By your words, by what you say. Is this sermon important? We're going to be judged by what we talk about. We're going to be judged by what springs forth from our heart. So just be very aware that we can, we can speak ourselves into hell or we can speak ourselves into heaven. Who knows that's true? Because it's the confession of the mouth it's the confession. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. But if you, you can do a, 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 a reverse of that. If you unconfess with your mouth and stop believing in your heart. Does anyone here know Christians who were once passionate Christians? Passionate Christians. And then you meet them years later and they're unpassionate Christians and they don't even want to be a Christian anymore. They've rejected the name of Jesus. Anyone know them? People like that? I know them. I've met, I know a guy who used to be a preacher, 
Now he just, I said to him, you know, Jesus is still on the throne. He goes, whatever, you know, makes you happy, mate. He just completely turned away. People will say, oh, he was never saved to begin with because they, they, they try to somehow say that once saved is always saved. But the fact of the matter is this. When he was confessing with his mouth, he lived the life. He believed with all his heart. He was a passionate, passionate Christian. You wouldn't have found many more passionate. Then I met him years later, the complete other direction. He's turned away. And nothing that he did before, all those good things he did, all the way he lived before, will not be remembered, God says. Be forgotten. Who knows? You've got to stay the course. Does it say you can get halfway down the track and then pull off and still win the race? Who says it? It says you've got to finish the race. Who knows that? You must finish the course. Psalm 141, back into the Old Testament. Okay, this is, I left these scriptures for last because this is where we need the help. This is what you should pray. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Set a guard over my mouth. Say, Lord, put an angel there. Guard my mouth. Put a sword up. Don't let anything that is not of you come out of my mouth. Spiritually speaking, I don't know how it could work, but David prayed it. Set a guard over my mouth. Now, David prayed it, and he needed help. Who knew David was, did some shady things? Right? He needed help. He knew he couldn't live this life out. He couldn't be the David that we now know if he didn't have God's help to live that sort of life. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And he's asking God to do that because he knows his God is concerned with keeping watch over the door of his lips. Do you know God watches over the doors of all our lips? He watches over it. What comes out of this thing? What the tongue speaks. It's a, it can be used for incredible good or it can be used as a terrible weapon. Who knows that? That's why when Jesus comes back, he's going to have a sword that's going to come out of his mouth. It's a double-edged sword, and he's going to strike the nations with it. I don't know whether that's a real thing or figuratively it is because the Bible's considered the sword of the Spirit. But I tell you what, Jesus can wield this thing like we, we have no idea. The power that's in this book is enormous, dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart that's power we've got to keep reading it who wants that power yeah and the last one psalm nineteen fourteen. so just go back a bit psalm nineteen fourteen, and it says And this is a prayer of David. May the words of my mouth, I'll let you all get there. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Pray that every day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. Okay, just some interesting thoughts. Be careful of your thoughts. They may become words at any moment. 
It's Ira Gasson. I tried to research who Ira Gasson was. I found nothing on the internet. Her quote, that quote was everywhere, but, and I thought, oh, well, we'll put it in there. Even if she's an atheist, good quote. Plato, he believed in one God. Wise men talk because they have something to say, fools, because they have to say something. <laughs> I like that one. Language has three important uses. It expresses thought, or it conceals thought, like a politician, and takes the place of thought. <laughs> I like that. Who knows you can speak and really not think? Yeah, I've, done, I've listened to many people that do that. And uh, the words we say will teach if we practice what we preach. I like that. If we practice what we preach, if we really live it, and when then we speak, it has impact. Yeah? We've got to practice what we preach. I've got to keep a guard over the door of my mouth. I've got to watch what I say. Actually, this sermon series I'm doing on Christian traits, Christian character traits, I'm, I'm really trying to cut my own heart, if you know what I mean. I'm trying to really go deep. I'm going to be bringing up some subjects that I wrestle with, and I'm going to preach it hard and get the conviction when I edit the video, <laughs> you know, and get the conviction during it. Because I am not flawless. I, I need help in all these areas. And I'm sure you're all in the same boat as me, and that's good. We're in the same boat. Big up.